0: Friends, there's big, and then there's big. This week, we're going to be talking about some stuff happening in pop culture that, well, as far as I'm concerned, absolutely defines the word any way you want to define it. Hey, everyone. Adam Holtz here, your host of The Plugged In Show, focused on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, technology, and pop culture. Thanks for joining us today. Well, if you haven't figured it out yet, the first thing we're going to be talking about is Amazon Prime Video's new series, The Lord of the Rings. Rings of Power. You know, pretty much everything about this show is big. It has almost a $500 million budget for the first season. Let's stop and just sort of take that in. You know, you could could buy a stealth warplane or you can buy a season of Amazon Prime's take on Lord of the Rings. So that's big. And it's Tolkien, right? So it comes with big expectations and big history. And not surprisingly, even before it started, it has come freighted with big controversy in a couple of different ways. People feeling like they were tampering with Tolkien's legacy in terms of the stories that he previously told, as well as the fact that they made everybody sign contracts, you know, that say there might be explicit stuff or nudity in the show. So that was another huge red flag for the faithful that said, no matter what you think of Tolkien, you know, there's There's no nakedness in this. So we are going to talk about that. And if you're saying, okay, well, that's big, but I want more big. Okay. But wait, there's more. We're also going to be talking about the Game of Thrones prequel that just debuted on HBO Max, and it is called House of the Dragon. And if you're thinking you really shouldn't have a dragon in the house, well, we'll see if you're right or not. And then in our second segment, we're going to be talking about a new show on Disney Plus from the creator of Phineas and Ferb, and it is called Hamster and Gretel. Get it? Hamster and Gretel?
1: Uh, Come on, guys. Give me a (laughs) second. Come on. That was was pretty good. Come on.
0: Well, joining me for our weekly conversation today are Emily Clark, Kennedy Unthank, and Jonathan McKee. Hey, everyone. Hello. Hey. Hey, hey. Well, I thought since we were talking about Lord of the Rings today, it would be super fun to ask this question. If you could be one Lord of the Rings character, and, you know, whether that's in your imagination or in the book or in a new movie version, take your pick. Who would you want to be and why? Let's see if we all pick the same character. Hopefully we won't.
2: Well, I think the obvious answer is Shelob the spider. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just, um... that...
0: <laughs> I, I see that that is not that. the direction yeah. I expected this conversation to yeah. go. Yeah.
2: I would definitely probably choose Sam. I like I defi- feel like, I like I,
0: definitely probably. I, <laughs> definitely
1: yeah. probably. Yeah, no.
2: I just relate to him so much. You yeah. know, he, he's he's there for the ride. He he's helping along. He's not the main character, but he's super important. And I feel like a lot of people Forget about him, even though you know Tolkien even said like the real hero of the story is Sam. I agree, and with I that. don't mean to put myself into that, but I re- I really resonate with his character.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, he's since you're the character. you're the real hero of the story, I no, guess we're course. done with this yeah. question, right? No, Emily, there you go. Yeah, you have perhaps fewer choices unless you want to. You know Okay, so project yourself into a non-traditional no, role. No, <laughs> I am I am gonna project
3: myself into a non-traditional role because growing up watching Lord of the Rings movies, I was obsessed with Legolas. I was like huh. and it wasn't like it, it, so when I was younger, it wasn't like I had a crush on him or anything. That didn't happen till later in
0: life. Right, right. But
3: I wanted to be an elf so much, but I didn't want to be like Arwen or Galadriel. I wanted to be the one firing the arrows, using those knives. Oh, lives, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. it was so cool. So yeah, I'm gonna say Legolas. Oh, so,
0: totally, Legolas. We could call you like Legolina or Legolas. <laughs> Legolas.
1: I love that Legolas I like that one.
0: <laughs> Honestly, I feel
1: like we can just call it now because nothing's gonna be better than that, John Jonathan- <laughs> No, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, well, I, I guess it's like you know which character should you be? You know, I'm sure. Don't I'm overthink it. Like,
0: <sighs> Don't overthink yeah, it. Yeah,
1: I, I'm probably the Hobbit who is cleaning his ear and looked at it. But uh, but no, I think I'm. I think I'm. You know, wh- who would I want to be? I mean, I want to be Strider. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah. it, but, but Vigo nailed it so much. And every time I watch it, I mean, he's just definitely my favorite. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. I mean, and as cool as Legolas was, especially when he did that one-arm grab mount the horse thing. I mean, that, w- that was pretty cool. But Vigo, that slow-mo scene where he busts through the doors and like, you know, he's just walking through. I was like, oh, yeah. You can't help but dream, you know.
0: Right. Well, that was my pick. So I'll have to go in a different direction. I will project myself older and say Gandalf because oh, really, there you go. Gandalf, right? I mean, I would need to grow a beard. I would need to grow more hair. I mean, there are actually several reasons why it's not an obvious pick for me. But uh, but Gandalf was a, you know, such a core character. And if you're a super nerd like I am, and you read the summer really on and and Kennedy, will get into this because yeah. I think we're going to delve into. The backstory of what happened before mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. um, you mm-hmm. know that Gandalf is almost an angelic kind of character. There's mm-hmm. not a clear god that's ever defined super clearly, but he's sort of out there and then he has these agents that what are they called? The Valar.
2: The Valar. Uh, um, and, uh, and, and Gandalf
0: is one of those. Well,
2: Gandalf is a Myar.
0: Gandalf is a Myar. My bad. So I've been out nerded. By Sam Wise, wow. the Wise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right.
3: You know, looking back on this, I'm like, oh wait, I have to change my answer. I have to be Gimli because I am Gimli. Oh, <laughs> in all instances. I actually thought about so being funny.
0: Gimli too. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I just want to give good him choice. credit. Toss We're me. good.
3: We can keep going. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Don't tell the elf. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's a great segue into our the first portion of our conversation today. We are going to talk about uh, rings of power which obviously is the new Amazon Lord of the Rings series. Uh, as I mentioned, they have pretty much spared no expense. I mean, with that kind of budget, I half expect expected, you know, some sort of check in the mail just for watching it. But uh, <laughs> Kennedy, walk us into uh, the first couple episodes of Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. What do we need to know?
2: Yeah, so the Rings of Power, it takes place uh, during the Second Age. And if you're not familiar with that, uh, the major events of that include the creation of the Rings of Power and the One Ring. They also include the downfall of the kingdom of Numenor, and it finalizes with the last alliance between men and elves as they fight Sauron. If you've seen uh, The Lord of the Rings, that's that very first battle that you see as Isildur cut his ring, cuts, off, his, cut the cuts finger off the finger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: That was a remarkably brief summary. So yes. what else do we need to know? Yeah. <laughs> like who are the main characters and what's is there a main conflict here? Yeah.
2: So we've got a few. Uh, some are uh created originals by Amazon. Others are from Tolkien's work, albeit they are put into situations that Tolkien never put them into. Right. Um those two. Did include, they go to Starbucks? Yes, unfortunately. No,
3: <laughs> no that's that's the prancing, my show. The
0: that's House Bean. of the Dragon.
2: Oh yeah, that's House of the Dragon. Okay. Um one of those characters is uh, Galadriel, Okay. who she, her brother, has died. That is canonical, by the way. Uh, but what is not canonical is that she decides to take up his story, which is to find out where Sauron has gone, where he and his orcs have gone. Uh, she's looking and she's looking. It's been 500 years or so. No one's seen an orc in a long time. And so everyone else believes, well, perhaps they just all died off. But Galadriel Too doesn't easy. think so. Too
0: easy. Too easy.
2: Uh, as well as that, we also have Elrond, who is currently helping Celebrimbor create a giant uh, forge, which presumably will be used to create the Rings of Power. If you know your Tolkien lore, you'll know that Celebrimbor was the one who created all those rings.
4: It's
0: not Celebrimbor? No, I'm sorry. Darn it! All of these years! Uh, have finally- you been saying yeah.
3: Celeborn instead of Celebrimbor? Maybe. Because that's Galadriel's husband.
0: Maybe. Yeah. Anyway, Speaking more. of well, the, uh, Galadriel's husband. The nerd meter husband. is going off. The
1: nerd meter just broke. The right? nerd <laughs> meter just... The needle is so far to the right. I'm sorry.
2: Speaking of Galadriel's husband, uh, Celeborn actually does not appear at all in the huh. season. Well, at least in the first season. Okay. Uh, but anyways, we have two other characters to get to know. We have Nori Brandyfoot, who is a Harfoot, which, if you know what those Car. are, those are uh, predecessors to the Hobbits. Okay. okay. She finds a mysterious man who has literally fallen from the sky, and she's trying to help him kind of figure out, he, he can't really communicate, and so he's trying to figure out, well, what am I going to do with this man? Okay. And then finally, we have an elf named Arundir, and his storyline seems to be that he's attracted to this human named Bronwyn, and... He and she, uh, they like each other, but you know, elves and humans right. haven't historically, at, at least in the Second Age, they haven't really had good romantic relationships yet. Uh, as well as that, they have discovered that some indications that the orcs may be rising. So
0: that is the overarching story. The two big controversies here were that people were messing with Tolkien's history and that it was going to be potentially more explicit than anything we've seen so far. So, mm-hmm. speak to both of those just a little bit, and then I mean, from a plugged-in perspective, the second question might be more important. Of uh, from a nerd perspective, the first question—the <laughs> first question—is the most important. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. So, what it looks like, at least for the first two episodes, they're definitely taking some creative liberties with it. They're taking uh, some main points that are definitely in Tolkien lore. But they're kind of expounding on them and they're changing them up a bit. Uh, Galadriel, if you've read anything about the Second Age, she doesn't really have too much to do. She's with her husband and her daughter. Uh, she's eventually given one of the Rings of Power. But other than that, she doesn't do too much in the Second Age. Yeah. And and this Amazon. So there's a
0: sort of empowerment theme here. Essentially. Bringing yeah. the female characters to the fore. Which, yeah, I mean... Which we saw I, I with, do what, wonder because... with the Hobbit movies, too. Obviously, we had yeah. whole new characters created for that purpose.
2: Of course. And I, I, mm. I do wonder because, like I said, Celeborn doesn't appear whatsoever, and she's been married to him for over 600 years at this point. Uh, in terms of the sexual content, uh, <clears throat> so far in the first two episodes, we don't see too much. Okay. Uh, the most is the man who falls from the sky. Uh, he wears... All he wears at the very start when they find him is uh, kind of a... A scrap of cloth that is similar to what Gollum wears. Okay.
0: So it's like Terminator then.
2: I I guess so. Yeah. (laughs) There we go. There we go. I'm working hard on the dad jokes today.
0: So thank you. There we go. Thank you for the sympathy laughs. Okay. So at least thus far, there might not be as much content as it seemed like there might be. Is that a fair statement for the brief- At least for the first two episodes. For the first two episodes. Okay. So I want to shift gears and I want to talk a little bit about House of the Dragon. And then we're going to talk about just the appeal of these shows in general, because even though they're different, they're really in some ways cut of the same kind of fantasy clause. So, Emily, what do we need to know about House of the Dragon? And this is another prequel, right? I mean, we're taking yes. a successful story and saying what happened before this, just like we are with Rings of Power.
3: Yes. So House of the Dragon takes place 200 years before the events of Game of Thrones. And it's about the House Targaryen, which uh, is where Daenerys comes from. It's where the Mad King comes from. It's, that hu- it's all the people with the white silvery hair, they all came from this house. But the 200 years previous to Game of Thrones... They were the powerhouse, like, in all of Westeros. So, um, and and it was partially because they had, like, a dozen adult dragons under their command. So, yeah, nobody was, everybody was kind of like, oh, maybe we don't mess with them. They will burn us alive or eat us or destroy us. (laughs) So, yeah, that's kind of why. And, yeah, it's just all about, like, you know, the line of succession and stuff. It's... It's everything you would expect from a Game of Thrones prequel, including the content.
0: Okay, that was my next question. Yeah. Jump (laughs) right in there.
3: We're doing the complete opposite of Lord of the Rings, where, you know, we still have some questions there. Maybe it won't be so bad. Well, no. House of Dragon dives right into it in the first episode. You got sex position, which is a term made popular by Game of Thrones. where One word. One word, right? Yes, and it's like exposition
0: only with an S on the front.
3: Yeah, because basically, very important, you know, dialogue is happening during these very explicit scenes. So, okay. um, you got the language uh, is really bad. The violent, oh my gosh, like some of the violence in this. There were there were some triggering things just in the first episode. Um, they essentially perform a C section on this woman, and against her will. And it is mortifying watching it. I was Mm. like, if you've ever had to, like, deliver a child who, you know, was in breach or something, this would probably traumatize you to watch. Like, Mm. if you've ever lost somebody in childbirth, this would definitely traumatize you. And it was it was gruesome. And I was shocked that they got away with it, you know.
0: Okay, well, I think in this sense, um, House of the Dragon is Pretty much exactly what we would have expected, right? Is yes.
3: That a- I mean I'm telling it's like Game of Thrones, no, Game of Groans.
0: Oh, Game of Groans. I love that. Well, hopefully if either one of these shows are things that you are interested in, this gives you sort of a plumb line to evaluate, you know, where it's at and what you can expect. I think it's interesting that we have two fantasy series and franchises and huge ones, right? I mean, there are hundreds of millions of dollars at stake in yeah, these yeah, two mm-hmm. shows debuting the same week. you got to figure yeah, somebody yeah. in a marketing department somewhere is getting whacked on the head. It's like, <laughs> do we really want to do both of these at the same time? But for me, it, it raises the question, why are these shows and these series and these stories
1: so popular? Like, What does it tap into in us that, that we want to watch them? I think for me growing up, the one reason I always love fantasy stories is, first of all, you got the story of good versus evil, and then you have these very imaginative characters. And and on the book, I remember imagining what did this elf look like and, you know, what did this dragon look like? It's it's not characters you run into on the street in real life. So it was kind of fun to imagine and play out good versus evil in these imaginative tales. Um, I think the interesting thing is that you, you know, with – The Lord of the Rings, you kind of have the good versus evil. And there's definitely scary, like orcs and that kind of stuff. But when you get to like Game of Thrones, you get such evil. It's like horrifying, like almost traumatizing, like walk away disturbed. I kind of like more the escape. And I don't mind good versus evil and the stories of, you know, good conquering evil. I don't think we necessarily need to be dragged through the mud in the midst of these.
2: No, I think Jonathan's exactly right. Uh, I think it all comes down to the imagination factor. You know, when I was growing up, I was reading a book series called Love and Thumps and the Gateway to Foo. And it was my favorite book series for a long time. And I remember distinctly, there's one character. He goes into this magical world. And there's this one character who is a sentient toothpick bent on, on, like, world domination or something. It's been such a long time, I can't remember. But it was such a like
0: I'm still stuck on sentient toothpick.
2: Yeah, there was such a strange idea that I was like, <laughs> this is interesting. You know, and I think you get a lot of that with, with Tolkien and and with Game of Thrones. But I think as well, in particular I was speaking to Game of Thrones a bit. It builds on a lot of those biblical ideas. Mm. You've got a lot of characters who are these like allegorical representations of Jesus and you have the ring, which is like this representation of sin. Hmm. And you've got all this, this stuff that I think really tugs on your heartstrings, whether you believe in it or not. There's something there where you're just like, wow, I, I, I want this to succeed because, man, I, I really feel what these characters feel.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think that there's a parallel of sorts between the spiritual ideas and the beliefs that we hold to and magic. And I think mm-hmm. that's why it makes this idea of magic both appealing And why I think scripture talks about, you know, we need to approach this subject with care Mm -hmm. because as humans in the real world, we're not invited into using magic or using means to manipulate reality or, Mm -hmm. you know, communicate with the dead. We see that in the Old Testament. And so we end up with this sort of, um, I think, ambivalent relationship to it. But I think you're right, Kennedy, in that a lot of these stories have a very spiritual yeah. kind of undertow of of ideas and themes that that we can tap into and some of those are going to be redemptive and really resonate with what we believe and yet some of them like game of thrones you get this nihilism right i mean there's this deep deep sort of almost infatuation with how horrible the world can be and i've read a number of interviews with george r r martin and he basically has said and i'm paraphrasing Tolkien's great, but it's too sanitized. It's not real. We need to do, what would this be like in, in the quote-unquote real world? Uh, and I think for a lot of us, that may be more reality than than we need or want. But these are stories that also appeal to us as kids, and they appeal mm-hmm. to our kids. If we have um, you know a child in our house, and that could be somebody who's really young or somebody moving into their teen years who has an interest in fantasy, how can we... Encourage that and
1: yet guide that impulse at the same time. I think one of the biggest temptations would be to overreact and talk about how we're never going to watch this filth. And I think one of the mistakes I made as my kids were growing up is very often I was so focused on blocking out the lies. I think I passed up great opportunities to talk about truth. And I think sometimes when we see some of these, you know, temptations coming our kids' way, I think if we're grounded in the word. And what I mean is just finding regular time as a family to get into the word. And as we're reading that, hey, what does this mean? What's this look like for us? What's this look like today? Um, They're going to come to a lot of these conclusions because they know what the truth is and they know, you know, what they should set their minds on as they're Mm. reading that. And that applies more than us having to say, hey, let me point out this filth over here. The more (laughs) we point out the, you know, the more we point out the truth, the more they're going to recognize the lies. I love that.
2: Yeah. No, I I think that's absolutely right. I think another thing is just, you know, teaching your kids how to guard their hearts against this stuff. Obviously, there are some things where you're just going to be like, no, that's too dark. That's too grim. That's too much of a temptation. And I'm not going to deal with that at all. But there are some things, you know, I mean, even if we're watching Lord of the Rings, there's some violence in there, you know, and you have to you have to deal with that. And you have to be like, okay, well. I you know I, obviously I'm not going to go out and start slaying orcs you know but right. but it's still something that you have to kind of talk about It's like why are they doing this why are they why are they fighting for this cause what is this about is it just because they have this bloodlust is there an alternate motive uh, for both the free people and the orcs you know yeah. and so I think when you have those conversations like Jonathan said I mean I mean these things can often open up to really deep theological discussions mm-hmm. that you m- may have never had the chance to get with your children before all right emily
3: you know if you really are worried and you're worried that your kids are going to get too immersed in the dark stuff too soon try to like guide them towards the things that maybe aren't quite as dark but are still you know fantastical you have you know the chronicles of narnia there's a Mm -hmm. books there are actually a lot of book series by christian authors um that are fantasy based and you know then you as they get older, they can start working their way up to, like, you know, Lord of the Rings, and hopefully they'll never read Game of Thrones. I'm just going to say that. I really hope that... I haven't read it. I never will. It's a matter of principle for me because of how bad the show was, but, um, you know, like, you can work your kids up to it, and, you know, and you also have to consider that... You start off with, you know, a book, then you watch a movie that brings that book to life. Then you play a video game that immerses you into that world and allows you to be one of the characters. Then, you know, you go to a, there are like conventions for this kind of stuff. There's LARPing, which is live action role playing. Like it can be a very fun experience. And I think you just kind of, you know, guide them and kind of see where they're at and just go with the flow of it almost, you know?
0: Well, one of the things we did in our family, when my son was probably six or seven, I started reading novels to him. And we started with The Chronicles Mm -hmm. of Narnia. um, And he loved it. At night, instead of a kid's story, we would read a chapter or two from one of those books. And I didn't know it at the time, but it was one of the things that I feel like I sort of, we accidentally got right. Uh, And it was, there was no master plan. It just kind of happened. So we did Lord of the Rings. And then we did uh, like seven or eight Terry Brooks novels, which is pretty much a a straight Lord of the Rings ripoff in every, every, the Shannara series in every way, shape and form. Uh, And then we, I think we eventually, by the time he sort of aged out in his early teens and is like, yeah, dad, I don't need you to read to me anymore at night. I think we read 27 novels together, um, out loud and, one of the things that we were able to do was to ask, compare, and contrast questions. Mm-hmm. So, if we would get into spiritual things, I would stop and say, "Well, how does this compare with what we believe? Is it similar? Is it different? Yeah, is it a little bit of both? Good. good because question. a lot of it had, you know, spiritual stuff and magic and themes. and And once we got out of c s. Lewis and Tolkien, it wasn't written from a christian perspective. and i and I hope, that that modeled for him the ability to think critically about stuff and we can do that with any kind of entertainment and here plugged in we are hoping to equip you with information to make the best decision you can for your family on the front end. You know, do we watch this? Do we not watch it? Do we read? Do we play this game? But we also hope to equip you to think in terms of worldview. What are the ideas here that are potentially influencing the way my child sees reality? And that we move from that stance of maybe avoiding a lot of it to having conversations about it so that by the time they leave our protective nest and venture out into the world and perhaps begin LARPing themselves, as as Emily said, Um, they're equipped, right? They can think critically, they can think biblically. Um, And I think in some ways, even though fantasy has problems at times that we need to avoid... Um, there's a lot there that we can wrestle with that gives us a great entree into these spiritual themes. So I hope the conversation that we have had this morning has not only told you about these two new shows, but maybe helped you think in a bigger way about this genre, about its appeal, and about how you can navigate it in your family. So thanks, everyone. Well, for our second segment this week, Kennedy, you have reviewed a new show called Hamster and Gretel. And is this just Phineas and Ferb Reloaded? Because it's by the same guy who created Phineas and Ferb and kind of looks like it. Or is there something more going on here? What do we need to know?
2: So in Hamster and Gretel, it's about this girl and her hamster named Hamster. Okay. Uh, Kind of like the Platypus. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, so Gretel and her hamster, they're given superpowers by this alien... UFO that appears and it just tells them, hey, use these for good, and then it takes off. Greetings, Earth ah! creatures! The two of you have been chosen! Chosen
3: for what? Chosen
2: to be heroes! We will now bestow
0: upon you powers unimaginable! Oh,
3: like the power to fly?
0: Yeah, you know what? We're just gonna start bestowing now before you guess them all.
2: Now, <laughs> unfortunately, her older brother, Kevin, is there as well and they don't give him any superpowers so instead he's kind of back at uh, transporting his little sister around and and kind of being the brains of the operation as she fights all of these wacky villains and so I mean if you're trying to compare it to Phineas and Ferb you'll see a lot of the animation style and a lot of the humor is very similar. Okay, uh, But if Phineas and Ferb was more focused on like these inventions that these two boys make, this is more focused on the Perry the Platypus kind of side okay. of things, where it's it's crime fighting and superheroes, and it's fun.
0: Okay. Uh, anything so far that raises small or big red flags for you that parents would want to be aware of? The only thing I could think of
2: would possibly be the slapstick violence. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, it's a pretty fun show.
0: Okay. Well, thanks for telling us about Hamster and Gretel. And I know with so many options these days, it's, it's good to have an occasional show that you can say, well, at least as far as we can tell, mm-hmm. this is one that you can probably enjoy as a family. So thanks, mm-hmm. Kennedy. Of course each week on the Plugged In Show, we like to do a little thing we call Pop Culture Connection. And our producer, Ashley. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Adam. <laughs> hey. She comes in with questions related to pop culture that give us an opportunity to put are pop culture brains on display as quickly as possible? So the goal of the game is to give as many answers as possible to Ashley's question in 30 seconds so that uh, somebody can have bragging rights for the week and, and the rest of us can, you know, have sackcloth and ashes or something mm-hmm. like that. So anyway, I digress. Ashley, over to you. All right. I've always wanted to say that. Over to you, Ashley.
4: Nice. Thank you. Kennedy, let's have you go first. All right. All right. right. We'll See what your question is here. Do you prefer a predictable movie or a plot twister and why? Oh,
2: Typically, I prefer a plot twister. And the reason why is because, you know, it subverts your expectations. However, I think recently I'm more in favor of the predictable movie. And that reason is because a lot of these plot twisting movies, they're doing it for the sake of twisting the plot rather than because it's a good plot twist. And that really annoys me. It's, it's not original. It's not fun. And I think about The Last Jedi, uh, where it just kept, twisting it back and forth and by the end I was just really annoyed <laughs> I was just like I have no idea where this is going and it's not fun
0: okay Very he good. wins just for bringing up Last Jedi as sure. a negative example <laughs> <wins>. <laughs> we're not going to talk about that <laughs>
4: <laughs> nice well I scored four yeah so, that's fine good job they were really I, I, solid I, points though they were I got my heart
2: out there they were
0: girthy yeah, points that was good They <laughs> yeah. had heft to
3: them
4: alright Emily let's see what yours is here ah this is one that Kennedy has had before.
3: All right.
4: Who do you think is the best actor of
3: all time and why? I'm sorry. Oh, my goodness. 25. 25 this is terrible. 23. Do I really have to answer this? Ugh. <laughs> all right. Oh, my goodness. You want me I, to I, help I, you? I, I, I. I... No, <laughs> Meryl Streep. She can play anything. Yep. She has play. She was in Mamma Mia. She was in. Uh, w- oh my gosh, I can't even remember the name of it. Into the Woods. <laughs> Thank you. That is actually what I was thinking of. She was. Uh... Yeah, I'm. I'm done. I'm sorry. Think, that was terrible. No,
0: but Meryl Streep's a really excellent answer. She can Absolutely. play. That's a very okay, there is a quote solid from a answer. TV
3: show where the guy just goes, "Meryl Streep could play Batman and be the right choice." <laughs>
0: That would be interesting. Oh, I, I don't that. think
3: that he was correct, but he was defending her position in
4: I, the Double Wars product.
0: I'd watch that. Batman. I would here. watch that Batman too, Jonathan. I totally would watch that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah.
4: So I, I counted four points in 10 yeah, yeah, yeah. seconds. So that's yeah. really
0: good. Right. So if you that extrapolate awesome. that, you would have had 12 if you'd have had Mary Street I know, from the game. know, right. Well, unfortunately, the game doesn't work that way. That's right. <laughs> that's right. We can't uh, count goals not scored.
4: All right, Jonathan. Yep. You are up. And your question is, which do you prefer, Mac or PC and why?
1: <laughs> Absolutely Mac, because it doesn't mm. break like the PCs all the time. It can find my printer a lot better. Uh, it's got that cool little glowing Apple. It's silver instead of black. Um, it actually plays well with others. It connects mm. with my iPhone super well. Uh, it's reliable whenever I take it on, uh, on the road with me. Um, it lasts about 10 years longer than the PC, Um, it is, uh, all the parts work together a lot better than the PCs. Um, it, uh, has one, oh, Oh, Jonathan, you're Navin- so deceived, but great answers.
3: Can I request that question in a future podcast? Because uh, I'm one of those rare people who is actually split between the two based on what Adipters. I need it for. Wow. So, yeah, I could give That's some really good well, answers Navin- to that. Those. those were
0: great answers, though, and I'm pretty sure I'm not going to have that many to whatever question Ashley gives me. I got Ten. Yeah, no, that yeah. Was, yeah, now you that, are, you that was, you were today.
4: Now that we've done a commercial for the Mac, for... Why don't we <laughs> uh, move on?
0: Right? You hear that, Apple?
4: All right. Adam, <laughs> what is the craziest reality show you've ever seen and what made it so silly?
0: Oh, you know, the craziest reality show I ever saw was a show back in the early 2000s called Joe Millionaire. It was a fake reality show about a guy that women thought was a millionaire, and he was courting them, and he's totally poor. And so it it was really fun because it took the bachelor, bachelorette trope and turned it on his head, and you as the audience are in on it, but none of the contestants were, so...
4: That's it was the
0: only dating show I have ever watched every episode of. Nice. <laughs> nice.
4: Well, I got three, three, okay, well, three points you know, for that one. But I had to explain so, what the show was. Of course. So. And thank you for doing that. Qualitative.
1: I felt well, good about I know my wa- answer. I now want to watch thank the you, show. Kennedy. So, I mean, you did a <laughs> yeah, good job. Exactly. Joe Millionaire.
4: All right. So, Jonathan, you are our winner today.
3: Congratulations. Ooh. It was well learned.
0: Yes, it was. You did excellent I think, promoting. I think Kennedy Apple.
1: was the winner. No, with, no, with no. Quality, no. Quality Jonathan. Quality. No, personal. we're just going <laughs> to.
0: We're, We're not handing team. out participation trophies today, Thank Jonathan. You, you are the winner. Good job. The I don't rest want of your us the, uh, the rest of us just need to try harder yeah. and be faster. Yeah. Well. Yeah, be
3: faster. See, that's the problem. It's like I always come into this and I'm like, Ugh.
0: you had 10 really good seconds though, uh, and I think that's not nothing.
3: I feel like it's like it takes my brain like that first 50 seconds just to process the question. Yeah.
0: Well, I hope you've had fun listening to us here at the Plugged In Show today. We like to think deeply. Uh obviously we uh we got our nerd on a little bit talking about Lord of the Rings and um and hopefully we gave you some content that you can really think about in terms of your own choices and your family's choices. And if you enjoyed the show, Tell your friends about us. Word of mouth is the best way to get the Plugged In Show out there. And you can also leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts or on whatever podcast player you use. We would also love to hear from you. Have you watched the first episode or second episode of the Lord of the Rings show? What did you think? You can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram or just send us an email at team at thepluggedinshow.com. And if you want to learn more, be sure to check out our full reviews for each of these new shows at pluggedin.com. Well, thanks again for spending a portion of your day with us today. We appreciate that. We are thankful that you are a part of our listening audience and we look forward to joining you again next week for another episode of The Plugged In Show.
2: From the Kendrick brothers, creators of War Room and Fireproof, comes Life Mark. When David Colton's birth mother unexpectedly reaches out, it
1: leads to a staggering truth from his past. Always wondered if my biological parents think about me. She loved you, and I'm so glad that she made the choice that she did.
2: Inspired by a true story, Life Mark. Starring Kurt Cameron and Alex Kendrick. Rated PG 13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Only in theaters beginning September 9th. Theater and ticket information is available at lifemarkmovie.com.